are listening to a Called Collective podcast where we seek to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. To learn more about the Called Collective, visit our website at thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at The Called Collective. Welcome to the Coffee and Calling podcast with Dan and Griff. Griffin, how you doing this week? Uh, Halo came out like two nights ago. I don't have an Xbox. What was what was that? That was the Halo what, intro. What, in, what was? We didn't talk about this before. We don't ever plan this out. <laughs> what? The, I was not expecting. So last week, the last two weeks, you've been doing a high. And this, this is how you start this week. Here, let's do the typical high five, though. All right, here we go. Here Distraction we go. tactic. Nah, should we do it again? I feel like we can. That one kind of hurt. Like, give me a yeah. second. I got to shake that out. It, out. it was loud. It felt loud. Okay. Okay, one more. Ready? Ready? That one was okay. It was, was above, right. above average. Above average. I would say a little bit, you know. But Griffin, another week. That means another guest. Can you introduce our guest for us real quick? That was pretty smooth. I just have to say that was that was good. I like that one. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Our guest this week is the wonderful, the non-gender like Dan. Why? Why did you have to put that in there? <laughs> Hallie was getting on me about not saying it at the start of the episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> the esteemed, majestic, fellow married gentleman, Chris Hotz. Yo, what's good? <laughs> Chris, tell us tell us a little bit about yourself. What you're involved in right now. Do you like masters? Do you like being married? I hope the answer to both is yes. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm Chris. I'm from the Quad Cities, Illinois, Iowa border. Um, my parents actually just recently moved to Orlando. So I'm a Ooh. Florida representative now. Um, haven't been yet. We'll check that out. Over it means break. you and Kodak are like cousins now. Yeah. Me and Kodak are cousins. That is confirmed. <laughs> confirmed. Um, no, it's not. Um, yeah. Masters has been good. Um, being married's great. It's, I mean, six months coming this, the 21st of this oh, month. Yo. Half first anniversary. I know. It's fun. It's fun. We take Polaroids. And so it's always oh. fun to look back just to mm-hmm. see each month yeah. on that date. But yeah, that's basically it for right now. I mean, just vibing. Just vibing. Goodness. Dude, Orlando though. How's that? How, what's, what's that switch up going to be like? Going from, uh, what did you say? Iowa? Yeah, no, basically. Yeah. I mean, yeah, basically. Iowa to Orlando, Florida. I'll tell you what. It's we're going December thirtieth through January 9th, so it's gonna be warm. No snow. <laughs> so no snow. That's nice. Um, Are you gonna go to yeah. Disney World? I don't know. Yeah, they talked about a Magic game, Magic Bucks play. So mm. um, that might be fun. A what? Magic, Magic Bucks. Bucks. What's that? The like the, the NBA. Like. Orlando oh, Magic oh, oh. See, I was looking at that as like a one word. I was like, what are Bas- magic bucks? This is the basketball guy too, yeah. and you don't even. <laughs> no, I was like, what is a magic buck? I was like, is that some kind of arcade? Is it's this a, like ski ball? I didn't like know. It's like the deer what. that pants for streams of water. Like he finally got the water. So now he's a he's magic, magic buck. buck. <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand. So NBA. Bad. No, it was pretty good. I like that one. <laughs> the magic buck. We ought to work more more terrible jokes into the rest of the episode. Livening it up a little Goodness. bit. Mm, it is. Well, Chris, like what is, um, what has been something that, I mean, this is just kind of a random question or anything, but six months into being married and everything, what's, what's something you've learned about uh, kind of like, what have, what have you learned about yourself 
since you know now being a husband because mm-hmm. that's like a whole different yeah. like hat you're wearing now and yeah. everything what's it like now being a husband mm. i appreciate that question because i feel like a lot of the questions i get are like um what have you learned through your marriage but like actually learning and understanding what have you learned about yourself mm. um and to that i think i understood even more how selfish i am mm. at times of like wanting to serve myself but having to submit that to mm. um my wife katie and so um, a lot about sacrificial love, like trying to really model what Jesus um, did to love others. Um, and then just a greater picture of what it means for Christ and the bride of the church mm-hmm. and how broken the church can be at times, but also how much God loves the church still Preach. in spite of that. Preach. I mean, shoot, can you speak into that at all, Griffin? I mean, you, you're the other married man on the pod right now. Yeah, that's like the biggest lesson that um, I've learned as well is learning how to like love my wife well has made me like understand like the analogy of Christ with the church even better. Mm. Um, and like you said, seeing like that brokenness and like flaws and still seeing like the beauty that lies underneath that and willing to work through, uh, you know, any problems or disagreements you might have to come to like a fuller picture of what it means to like reflect the love of Christ, like the reflect the love that Christ has for the church and the way you love your wife. I think that's given me the most growth in my understanding of who God is, who Jesus is, what the church is, what the church means. So, yeah, mm-hmm. completely agree. You imagine what it was like when when they're reading that letter and uh, the husbands in the room are sitting there with their wives <laughs> and the, the husbands are called to love their wives like Christ loved the church. Oh, oh goodness. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no. the, wife, the wives be sending beamers right at them. Yeah. Oh, I don't. You ain't never died for me. <laughs> you ain't never died for me. <laughs> but yeah, that's a, that's so beautiful. That's really encouraging for me as um, I'm really about to go into the, kind of that, that next stage. And I'm excited for that. And I think you guys are really cool husbands. And I think you're good men of God. So I'm Appreciate excited that. to see how you guys is. When I think of that verse, go. that passage there, yeah. I think of the men at first. He's like, Paul's like, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And the husbands are like, hmm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then what did he say there? And then he's like, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for. Her. And they're like, hmm, what were you saying? Oh, really? <laughs> what were you oh, saying? Really? Okay. And then there's beautiful man. Um, I heard this testimony once and it, it like shook me. Um, it, this pastor was speaking about him and his wife were having some marital troubles. And it was one of those situations where a pastor loves the church more than he loves his wife um, or just loves doing ministry. And he's doing that way too much. And they were in counseling and the pa- uh, the counselor brought up that verse and he was like, that's it. She's not willing to submit to me. Um, and he's like, that has me problems trying to submit to her. And then the wife looks over at him and says, I would submit to him if I only knew that he actually loved me. Mm-hmm. And he said that wrecked me for the, and he completely changed as a man. And he said their marriage has actually worked out and it's a beautiful marriage now. Um, but it's just that call. And I think it's really beautiful as anybody listening to the podcast that goes into that passage, um, especially like future guys that are wondering, what does it mean to be like, what does it mean to be like a husband and everything? And sometimes I think we try to get the aesthetic like we're like, I'm going to be the good guy. And we try to do the things romantically. And we put so much focus on those things about being the good guy in the cultural sense 
instead of the text we need to know is that love Christ like uh, Christ loved the church. So really right now, realize how much you're being formed. I don't know. I can't tell you if you're going to be a husband or not, but insecurities come out in marriage and all those things. And I think when you neglect trying to be Christ-like and everything, it's not only just going to affect you, but you're not going to be able to serve and love your wife the way that the Lord has called you to. Um, and that's in sense also for women out there, for as they partner with their husbands and they love them and they um, serve them, like that is the same thing is that if when we neglect our time with God, we neglect our ability to love like him. Um, and that's just kind of like an encouragement out of that is that, yeah, it's, it's just another reminder that our, us being more like Christ is so much greater than ourselves. And yeah. Good. Transition out of that. Um, Chris, we got a question for you. We asked this to all of our guests. The mystery question, not mystery to anybody that's like a continual listener. Um, but if you were to have coffee with one person in the Bible other than Jesus, who would you have that cup of joe with? Ooh. There's a lot of people I'd love to have coffee with, bro. No, Tell man. me, hey, in, in eternity? Just believe we'd be talking it up. Gonna Shoot be talking in it the up. Yeah. breeze, yeah, for brother. But, uh, no, um, one person I think that I resonate a lot with, um, the things that I wrestle with is Moses. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of that is calling and stuff. So um, I would love just to hear like being a patriarch of the faith and sitting down and getting to hear like his heart even more and the struggles, but also like the way God moved um, in the day by day. Mm -hmm. um, I think that'd be sweet. Mm. I knew you were going to say Moses. Prophetic you know, word? Huh? Prophetic word. I'm a prophet. No, I seriously was sitting here. I was like, Moses. He's going to say Moses. And you said it? It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I love when you say, if anybody's not listening, watching, anytime like Griffin will say something, it'll kind of give me a slight look uh -huh. and everything kind of- <laughs> a side eye, a little smirk. I'm like, what do you think about that? Dan? What do you, you think about laugh? that? Um, Dude, that's really, that's really cool. It's interesting. Like we haven't, we haven't gotten a repeat answer yet. No, I don't think, I don't think we had Paul, two people have said Paul. I think it was Grant and Reagan and Reagan. Reagan. Um, it's pretty, what is, pretty so Moses has a pretty widespread story and he's like, just so much that goes on in your life. And like, if you could ask him like one question from like one time period, what do you think that would be? Yeah, sure. I think the biggest reason why Moses is on my mind now is Judy Crossman, a pro professor here um, at Indiana Wesleyan. Legend. Who's, uh, yeah, legend. Let's say legend with a capital Big L. Legend. Um, hey, she's down there. You'll be with her in Florida territory. Yeah, soon. 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 Yeah, she's down there right now. Um, but uh, I did spiritual direction with her. Yeah. Um, and we were just wrestling through some stuff, um, talking about like what's next after this step of college mm -hmm. and going out and doing ministry full time. And she gave me this picture of like of Moses, like in the wilderness or in this, in the desert, like just basically being a shepherd mm -hmm. and like, and using that time, God used that time to just train and equip him. Come on. Um, and she gave me that kind of like imagery uh, before one day he was just called by the bush. Um, and so Damn. I felt a lot of, cause I was, I was wrestling with like being present in the moment here that we have left in the year. And so she kind of just gave me that and I was like, wow, you're right. Like, Shh just got this image of like, man, I'm trying to, I'm trying to like pull God with me. It's whatever's next. 
and not um, allowing to go at God's speed as he walks slowly at his own speed and stops and points things out that are, you know, miraculous and beautiful. Mm. Um, and so I think I just got a better picture of that. Mm. Yeah. That's uh, something that sentiment you expressed there. It's been bouncing around in my head a little bit. I guess I've never expressed it in words, but like, that's exactly like what I've been having. I think I saw that with Esther and mm. chapter four, Mordecai's like, what if you've been put here in this situation? Like for such a task as this. Um, and like, I've been have I've had a hard time seeing, masters currently as like okay how can i minister to people i'm around right now like even other master students like how can i be uplifting and, and provide you know guidance and encouragement to my peers and that's been a real challenge can we chat about spiritual direction for a minute um for those who aren't aware because i think spiritual direction is a relatively new uh kind of up-and-coming practice especially in the evangelical church specifically. Um, it's spiritual direction is where it's you and you've got a spiritual director and they're kind of um, guiding this conversation between you and God um, to make you more aware of how God's moving in your life, to make you stop and just sit and think about how God's been at work in your yeah. midst. Man, it was so, spiritual direction was so good for me. Yeah. Like, I cried so hard both times. Mm -hmm. didn't expect to. Like things would come up that I had buried. Had no, didn't have any intention of bringing them up. Didn't have it. I went in there with a plan both times. I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll talk about this. Or maybe I'll talk about that. And they ask a question and I sit there for a second. I'm like, I'm definitely not going to say what's really going on. And then I actually say what's really going on and then I cry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's insane how it brings it out of you. Just for me, like during my time, it was, it was good because I just got to sit there and just, you walk in and you have all these thoughts, but I don't know if you guys experienced this, but when you sit down and your director starts talking to you and guiding you, it's like all, everything else you just stop thinking about Mm -hmm. for a sec. And you're just on this rabbit trail of going deeper and deeper. The way I would describe it is for anybody that's listening is it's as if you're reading a chapter of a book and it's the same topic, but you're flipping each page and it goes deeper and deeper into the topic, each page you go into. And then when you get done, it's like, wow, I feel like I have a good scope of what this is. And I'd, I'd recommend anybody out there. And if there are youth pastors or uh, lead pastors or any type of pastor that's uh, sitting there, start looking into this. Cause this is stuff that like, congregation members and just your pastors that work for, uh, with you or for you. Um, they, they need this. I mean, it's also just so cool because it, it, you don't feel like you're wearing any, like, you know, we say like wearing different hats. You don't feel like you have to wear any hat when you're walking in there. You feel like you're just like a son of God or a daughter of God. And you're just, this is what I'm, I'm just sitting and having a meal with my father and, um, somebody else is with me to help, me and the reason you have another person there is it helps you keep you on track like it helps you stay with that thought stay with what's going on and they ask those beautiful. kind of um what are, what are they described provocative as? provocative questions good word um I f- it feels like when i'm when i'm involved in it when i'm doing like a, a spiritual direction session it feels like like the first time i did it i was like this feels like some weird mystical like lost art, 
You know, <laughs> I'd never heard of it until I came. Like, I haven't heard of it until like literally this year. That's facts, yeah. And I'm like, where was this the whole time? You know what I mean? Like, it feels like it's something like that the ascetic fathers did or something crazy. But I'm tempted to get my spiritual direction license one day. I think it'd be cool. It'd be sweet. It'd be so dope. Honest. So, Chris, um, we're going to hop into the meat and taters of the yes. episode. <laughs> Tyler liked that one. <laughs> well, meat and taters. <laughs> it's not like Theo Vaughn. All right, Chris, what, uh, if you could, you know, walk us through your call to ministry, how you first felt that call, kind of the journey you went on to kind of discover what that call meant for you, and then how that call has evolved with where you are currently. I'd say it's very progressive in nature. Um, and so kind of started out with like my youth pastors back home, um, calling in gifts and talents. And so I was actually able to do like a, um, unofficial internship to start because I was really interested in ministry and just in the beginning. And, um, so my youth pastor did that. He showed me all the behind the scenes stuff. Mm. Um, and I was like, oh yeah, this is pretty cool. Um, I'm not sure though if it's really for me, but it's cool that you like, let me just shadow you and see what it's all about. Um, and then I think it was my junior year or after my junior year, going into my senior year, the summer camp, um, at this camp, at the end of it, uh, we had a speaker who, um, you know, was like praying over the, p- the crowd and was like, Hey, if you're feeling a call to ministry, I just want you to stand up. Mm. Um, and I really felt like the Lord calling me to stand up. And I was really in shock at that moment. Um, I didn't really know what that meant or yeah. what that meant for next, but, um, I was like, all right, cool. Yeah, I'll stand. Um, so I stood up. And I was like, yeah, like I'm on fire for God right now. Like I'm totally going to do this. Um, and then I got home and the weight of questions mm. that I wrestled with. Um, part of that being like, am I even worthy enough to be in ministry? Or like, how can I support a family and make enough money to be mm. in ministry? Um, and so those weighed really heavy on me. And um, so I had like a couple conversations just with my, my new youth pastor. We had a new youth pastor come in one of our campuses. And so um, he, again, affirmed those gifts and talents in me, gave me a lot of responsibility at a young age. Um, But it was really my time of like the word Mm. where, um, so Matthew, Matthew six and Jesus sermon on the Mount um, really spoke to me. It's this part. And I think of the NIV labels it as like, do not worry. So it's Matthew Mm. six, Mm -hmm. um, 25 through 34. um, And it's talking about, you know, the Lord uh, gives food for the birds and clothes the flowers and the lilies. Um, and doesn't he care so much more about you? Um, and then at the end it has this grand thing where it says, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and he'll provide all of, all that you need. Um, and I really just felt the Lord telling me, you know, like I'm calling you to this, to be into ministry full time. Um, and so prior to that, I was wrestling with like those questions that I brought up earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, you don't have to worry about providing because I'm going to provide for you. Like I am your Dang. provider. Mm-hmm. Um, just continue to seek what I have for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was a very formational moment in my life. Um, again, I worked really well with the youth pastor from my back home, um, continuing to just cultivate and empower me and those gifts and talents that I had. Um, and then coming here, um, I knew I was going to come here. I was still kind of unsure. Um, I had this crazy story that I've never even experienced ever before, but Brandon, Brandon Charleston had um, prayed over, um, it's like a, like the Hudson, like, what is the event that they do at the beginning of the year where it's like introduction thing? It's like a, oh my gosh, what is it? Do you know? 
Griffin? No. <laughs> anyways, anyways, Brandon, Brandon was there and he was, I was still unsure of my, my calling at this point. I was like, God, yeah. I just, I just need another reassurance here because mm. I want to make sure that I'm being obedient to what you have for me in yeah. my life. Um, more than anything, I just want to be obedient. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so um, Brandon prayed over and he's like, Lord, if you're calling someone to ministry right now, I just pray that you, they feel it in their hands. Um, oh. Only time I've ever had this happen. Crazy moment. Um, immediately my hands felt like a heartbeat and it caught oh, fire. Shoot. And 30 <sighs> seconds, he's praying. As soon as he's done praying, it just goes away. And I'm like, I think this is like that reassurance. But like, again, I've never experienced anything like this. So yeah. oh, maybe I it kinda, was just my hands throbbing. Yeah. You know? just, maybe yeah, it was dude. something, there. maybe it was something else. Yeah. Man. So, but I, I mean, again, I had all these other things from my, my call to ministry basically that mm-hmm. led up to this. And I was like, you know what? I'm being, I think I'm just being obedient to what God has for me. Come on. And I don't have to question anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. And so I always been really formative. Yeah. through my ministry. Um, I have a huge passion for youth ministry and um, thought I was going to do youth ministry. My undergrad did youth and pastoral ministries here at Iowa. Um, and now I'm wrestling with, um, I don't I don't call it a calling yet because I'm not 100% sure, but I call it a drawing towards church planning. Come on. Um, and so I'm just wrestling with some other questions right now, what that looks like. Do, do we even need another church? Um, what's my role in church planning if I do do that? Um, are you actually calling me there, Lord? Really, is some of the mm-hmm. questions I've been asking. So, um, just wrestling with that um, and continuing to um, just seek whatever lo- the Lord's calling me to um, is where I'm at right now. I, I think like for I know for me personally, I want to ask if it's the same thing for you. Like looking back on that that moment with your hands, is it kind of like, uh, man, you know, slap your slap your forehead, stupid? Like why didn't you see it sooner? Or, you know what I mean? Like it happens in that moment, and you're like, boy, I should, you know, because. Yeah. And like a call to ministry, you experience all these doubts. And like oftentimes you forget these moments when God made it evidently clear to you mm-hmm. that you're called, that he has a purpose for your life. Mm-hmm. And he, he keeps, you know, thankfully he has the grace to keep re- like re-showing himself to us and to keep re-validating that call, even though, you know, his grace on us and our, our fickleness and our short memories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I would say, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that was like the the defining moment. That it was, was like, the one. I'm no longer questioning like, okay, you calling it. me get to ministry. Yeah. yeah. And I think that was like, all right, like, I don't know. A lot of it just was doubts. And God was, like you said, was so gracious and like providing oh, keep- that over and over again with the community I was around in his word, mm-hmm. um, with the people, a physical sign. Like, it's just crazy the amount of grace that he gave in that. I think that's like one of the most important uh, tools someone can have in their tool belt, you know, with when they're struggling, not, not only with a call to ministry, but just in the Christian life is constantly like, even at the end of every day, sit down and journal out the grace that you receive from God today. And grace is not just the forgiveness of sins. Although that is like the ultimate culmination of the grace that we receive from God is him drawing us towards himself but just for like the grace that we have air to breathe, the grace that we have plenty of food to eat, the grace that we have a roof over our heads, 
all those little instances of grace that you experience every single day, sit down at the end, right before you go to bed and just recount those graces that you've received from God and then trust in the promises that he will never leave you nor forsake you and continue on into that next day with the hope that God will continue to be gracious to you today in the same day, in the same way that he was yesterday, the day before that, the week before that, the month before that, every single day of your life for years and years and years, whether you've recognized it or not, God has been showing you grace and you have to take hold of that grace and that remembrance and trust that he will continue to do the same thing for you in the future. Come on. Yeah. Can I add one thing to that? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know like those who are listening, if you're like me, but I know there's seasons of doubt that come mm-hmm. too. And so like going back to that journaling of like, I can go back and like remember God's faithfulness, not even my own life. There's even times where like, I can just go back to the Bible and be like, God, you were gracious to these people and you say that I am your people. And so I can point to your evidence here. I know you're evident now, even if I don't feel it or if I don't see it, I know you are. Mm -hmm. We have that adoption as sons, you know, sons and daughters of the most high God. And we can experience that same grace that you showed to the Israelites in the Exodus. And I think, Working through post-exilic literature, I don't know if you can speak to it the same way that I can right now, but like, I feel a little bit like not nearly to the same degree as the Jews when they returned to the promised land. But I, it's been encouraging to me spiritually to think like, I, you know, I've recently gone through a period where I'm like, okay, this is kind of scary. I, I don't know if I want to keep going through with this. This is just so stressful. And looking back at like the 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 Jews in the exile, they were completely taken away from everything, every way they understood God interacting with them. Their identity was in Jerusalem as the city of God and then temple as the house of God. And they are taken away. This temple is destroyed. The walls of Jerusalem are broken down. They're carried off to Babylon. So they're sitting there and they're mourning. They're like, where is God in this struggle? because now we don't have any way to relate to who God is. And God still showed grace to them. He moved Cyrus and Darius to bring the Jews back to their homeland, you know, prompted them to give the Jews the resources to rebuild their temple, to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem so that they could connect once again with their identity. But their identity wasn't only rooted in this the city or this building where God resided, but it was instead as a people group who are united as those who worship under the name of Yahweh. And I think not that I was taken away from my city or my temple was broken down, but just like um, it's helped me to reconstitute a little bit of what I'm doing, what I'm doing or why I believe why I believe and just trusting like Nehemiah nine is like huge for me. Like that's like the most, Currently in this season, like that's the verse I keep going back to because it's like, you know, we're they're they're repenting of this, you know, sinful behavior that they're taking part in, and they're just recounting the mercy they received from God, starting with um, start with, it doesn't start with that. It starts with Abraham, right? Yeah. And it moves through all the way up to where they are then, and that mm-hmm. is just like, man, I need to do that more often because <laughs> every like all the time I'm sitting there like, God, are you good? And then I sit there and recount those blessings. I'm like. Man, you're so stupid. Why'd you forget? <laughs> Why do I keep forgetting this stuff? Sorry. I'm, no, I'm I was I, taking yeah. over. No, you're good. Like that was was really good. I I like just sitting there and listening to you guys right there. That was so good. But um, I thought of with what you just said. Um, the the big 
the beginning of Malachi starts out with uh, in verse two, it says, God says, I have loved you. I have loved you, says the Lord. But you say, how have you loved us? And I think so many times the Lord is, that's just like daily. It's like, I loved you and I have loved you and I, I still love you. And sometimes we do have the audacity to be like, man, but how have you loved me, God? And um, something that our great friend uh, Eden Byer said today in our class was talking about Matthew 28. And she noticed at the end in the last verse, it says, be sure of this. Um, I will always be with you to the end of the age. And uh, she like, pointed out the be sure of this or in other translations it says behold um and so often it's almost like i've never had this but i think it'll that will stick with me for a little bit is that anytime certain doubts come up or i feel like man am i failing am i not what's going on god it's almost and he's saying the great commission with all giving with all of his authority sending us in the name of the father son and the holy spirit to go out and make more disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit and he says but with like with that be sure of this or behold this that i will be with you to the end of the age um, and it's just so beautiful and it's a good reminder for anybody listening that's going into this and they're going into their calling and, but as all believers, we have all been commissioned to this and knowing that he'll be with us till the end of the age and he'll love us till the end of the age. Um, and then being in eternity with him forever. And, um, yeah, it's a beautiful thing to think about. And it's like you said, Griffin, it's like those moments where you're like, where are you, God? And then he's just like, do you not, are you not sure of this, that I will be with you, you know? So. Like, I know a lot of, like, when you're processing this call to ministry, like, you feel alone. You're like, man, I don't have anybody to talk to. And then right there, Jesus is saying, no, I'm here. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm with you. I've always been yeah. with you. Yeah. Talk to me about this. Yeah. He, he understands it already, but, like, you know, there's no one who's felt more alone than when Jesus was abandoned by his disciples, mm -hmm. you know? And he still was enjoying, you know, in the presence of the Father and the Spirit, but um, his friends that he'd been spending three years with just flew the coop and they were gone. Yeah. So when you feel like, you know, you, you, you step into this call to ministry and maybe you're losing friends or your parents they don't agree with your decision or they don't support you in that decision. You're not going to make enough money. You know, um, you bet you have to have a backup plan. Just know that Jesus is right there by your side the whole time. He's with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Mm -hmm. um, and that's also what we hope to do with this podcast and with the yeah. called collective in general is just to help you feel like less alone in this journey and less confused and equip you with the knowledge that no, you aren't alone. You are a part of this great cloud of witnesses now who are moving forward as you step into this role of moving into ministry and becoming who God has called you to be. Mm -hmm. And that is what we want to do is help you become who God has called you to be and know that there is a community of others just like you all across America 
so many other high school students who felt called in the same way that you are to equip you to connect with each other, to hold each other up and to build those relationships where you can lean on each other all throughout your ministry yeah. and all throughout your journey of, you know, getting your ministry degree or working through troubles with, let's say once you're in college, you start volunteering at a youth group. How do I, you know, how do I do this? Like, Oh, I've, I tried this. You should try this with your youth group mm-hmm. too. I think that's kind of what we want to do with called collective is make this something that, you use all throughout your journey of ministry and connect you to a community of like-minded people who are going through the same call as you. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can experience that call and the wonderful journey that it is to grow in your call to ministry together. Come on. So, Thanks. Let's get back to your call, Chris. Sorry, that was a really <laughs> long sidebar. It was good. It was I felt fire. the spirit move. I, I just kept rolling. So Where did we leave off? Do you remember? Oh, I didn't mean to cut you off there. So you said um, something really cool and you were like, I don't know right now if this is something that I'm leading into or being called to, but you said, um, if for right now, it's just a drawing. Mm-hmm. Can you share with the anybody listening, what is the difference between feeling called to something or feeling led to something and the difference between that and it just being a drawing? Mm. Yeah, that's good. Um yeah. I don't even know if I've pondered that question really, actually. That's what we're here for. Yeah. <laughs> but um what I would say is I know I think my longings and desires are what is drawing me to this next um thing that I think God may be calling me to, mm-hmm. but I don't know if God yet is telling me to do that. Yeah. Um, and that might just be a season of life or um, a lot of it. I wouldn't even say a year ago that I was even able to voice saying, I'm, I feel a drawing towards church planning. I think there's a mm-hmm. lot of, again, I have a lot of insecurities. I feel like, yeah. And part of my insecurities with that is like starting from scratch is hard. Yeah. Resourcing's hard. Um, and so I, I was like, you know, I'm 22. Who am I? Mm. <laughs> like, yeah. so um, I think, Part of it was just like wrestling with like, yeah, is this something God is really calling me to? Mm. Um, I know I have these longings to do something like that, but are these from God? Mm. I know that you're feeling called towards, right now you're kind of in conversations with Alive Wesleyan in South Carolina. And I know they're very passionate about church planting. Mm. Has that been an encouragement to you being in conversations with them? Because I know that they're very, very supportive of church planting. And like, that's one of the, yeah. what do they want to, they want to plant 20 churches in the next, how many years? 10 years. In the next 10 years. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. 20 Christ community centers, they call them, but it, I don't think it has to be churches. But. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's actually really crazy that you say that because um, I had been wrestling with that for the past year. I just now have voiced it um, and called it that knowing that, um, again, going back to my calling, if I'm being obedient to what God calls me to, he'll provide everything I need. Yeah. So I'm wrestling with, oh, is this actually something I'm called to? And so um, they actually just redid their entire program. And so it was originally a two-year residency, um, and then they would just help you find a church to Mm -hmm. go to after Mm -hmm. that. Um, They are now working with the church planning stuff. And so, and they were like, yeah, like, um, I was wrestling with a lot of those insecurities and they were like, yeah, like we would resource you. You would provide you with like the tools you need to succeed yeah. basically. Um, and I was like, well, God, like, 
are you are you going hand in hand here? Like this is a god. Everything, this has got to be a god yeah, thing. <laughs> I'm like every every insecurity I had. You're like here you go basically. <laughs> um, so um, it's been really cool to see, but I still want to make sure that um, that's something I feel called to, and making sure I'm obedient in that. Yeah, that's something like it takes discernment when you when it, it's like oh this is an answer to every single prayer that I've had yeah. for the last month, and then you got to sit there and be like okay. Let me fast about this. Let me pray about this. But it's funny how God does that. Come on. You're worried about this stuff for so long. And God's like, no, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you worry a little bit. You know, I'm going to let you stress out a little bit because you know that I'm going to come through, but I want you to learn that. He's like, and, and when you suffer through those periods of um, uncertainty, of anxiety, it really fosters in you this very strong spiritual muscle of trust in God and like trusting in those promises of God. And when you're in the middle of it, it stinks. Mm-hmm. You're like, man, I really just want an answer right now. Yeah. And then we, we always forget like, oh, wait, God's timeline God's timeline looks totally different from what our timeline is. When we want an answer, God's like, I'm going to give you an answer, but it's going to be in perfect timing. So please just give it up into my hands. Yeah, it's almost like, and I really like what you were saying, just about like the drawing stuff. Because there's so many things that I don't, I've been using this thing recently where talking about when reading the verse in Psalms 119, where it says your word is like a lamp beneath my feet, a light into my path. And so many times we see God as this like spotlight, like God's going to just shine the spotlight and it's going to be right in front of me. It's going to be this big crescendo and it's yeah. going to be awesome. Like the the veil is going to be separated. It's going to be amazing. And God doesn't work like a stop, a spotlight. Mm-hmm. God works like a lamp beneath your feet. And guess what? When you're walking on the path of God, it's making clear what is before you as you're walking the your path, what is step. around you. But notice this is that with the lamp beneath my feet, sometimes you're only going to see what is right in front of you or see what is around you and what might be in the future. You have to trust God to walk forward, that he will shine that light when the time comes and he will be there. And the drawing of, can you wait for God to sit there as the artist he is and draw this out and you just be the student and looking at the, looking at the artist, paint the picture for you. Mm-hmm. And then when you get there and you begin to follow and you, you see it all go through, and this is what I'm saying is if you only worry about the end, you will never appreciate the work of the artist when it's actually being drawn. And that is what it's like when we just rush it. And that's what we like when we push through. It's like, God, I want to see what the end's going to look like. I want to see what that's going to look like. You're missing out. So that actually when we get to the end, we sit there and we remember all those times. We remember each little thing. And it's like, I think of the song from Maverick City where it says, the story I'll tell. And it's just singing this song like, I wonder what the story I'll tell by the end of this. And I think that's honestly in all these steps of our life, realizing that in the most patient times of our lives, when we have to be patient and we really have to trust the Lord for what's next. We are sometimes walking into the greatest testimonies we will tell people one day. But if we're not patient and we don't wait, we're just going to miss out on all that God's doing. And that's hard for, that's hard for me. And that's hard for everybody at times, but man, if the moments and times where we're most present and where we're currently in, it changes everything because we're not, we're not two steps behind God. We're not two steps in front of God. Um, we're walking with God. 
That's like, uh, that's, uh, that's journey before your journey before destination. Like that is a, it's a quote from this book series. I really like it's all about, it's all focused on not what the end result of your path of your journey is, but it's the journey itself. Um, because, and that's like kind of a reason I want to get, uh, I want to get memento Mori tattooed somewhere on me. And mm. that means remember death. Mm. And I know that sounds like kind of dark, but the truth of the matter is, is that we are all going to die and we're all going to leave behind whatever little empires we wanted to build while we're here. The most important thing you do with your life is the lives that you touch and the people you show Jesus to with the time that you're allotted mm -hmm. because we don't know the time that we're allotted. I could be driving home today and I could not, I might not make it back. You know, I might not make it home or I might not make it to school tomorrow. So living in that constant reality that, you know, this breath that you're having right now could be your last changes the way that you interact with people. It changes the way that you see those others around you. It changes the way you see yourself knowing that this could be your last day should motivate you to, to you know, because everyone's going to die one day, quit living like you're already dead. And instead live like you're alive, like you've been made alive, especially as a Christian, you've been made alive in Christ. And what Paul says, uh, to live, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Mm -hmm. he, 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 he knew that dying would be far better because he'd get to be with Jesus, mm -hmm. but he didn't rush on towards that. end. he saw the work that was placed right in front of him and being a minister to these churches and uh, little did he know a minister to all of us today um, as far more important for those others around him. He, he even saw his time in heaven that he was, you know, granted by the grace of God almost uh, to be let, like worth less than spending the time and giving everything he had for those other people around him because he knew he was going to end up there eventually. Mm -hmm. It was just trusting that to God and instead living with, um, you know, the truth that he might've been the only God that those people would have not God. He, he wouldn't have been a God. <laughs> so he, he might've shown them the only glimpse of God that they would have had at that time, because yeah. especially at that time, because Christianity was like a newborn baby. So he was like really setting the ground, you know, setting the foundations, but just please just live your life like you're actually living right now because you are and you're going to die one day. Quit rushing to that end. Mm -hmm. Like, what, don't worry. You're going to get there. You what know? was that phrase again? What? Uh, remember death. Memento mori. Memento mori. I think KB has that tatted on him somewhere. <laughs> I think about it also is that remember the moments that you died to yourself. Mm -hmm. And remember those moments where he worked in you and he... In the new creation, I'm making all things new. And he formed you. And with that, like, Chris, like, what is a time where, I don't know, what is some time that you look back to sometimes when you died to yourself and you saw God just almost, like, change your heart on things in life? Like, what was a significant moment for you dying to yourself? Yeah. Actually, that's kind of crazy. I think part of my call to ministry even is that of, like, telling God no. Mm. with that to begin with and be like you yeah. know what um i told myself i was gonna be an engineer because i was like 
I'm gonna make 100k out money. out of yeah. I was gonna I'm make, make 100k out of college. Um, I'll be able to support a family off that. I'll be a, so, I'll be yeah. a faithful volunteer, Lord. That's what I can give you. I'll tithe. You know, I'll give my 10. percent Yeah, that's what I told them. And oh my gosh, um, I had to surrender. Mm-hmm. I had to surrender not only who I am but what I wanted and my my insecurities at the same time. And I had yeah. to like almost like physically take everything that I am, everything that I have, and just surrender it to the Lord. Not yeah. my will, but um, yours, Lord. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that's that's one specific time of like, you know what? This, it's not about you. Mm-hmm. Um, and God has so much, has so much in stored for, like I have so much stored for you is what God is yeah. telling me. And in surrendering that, is like it was so hard. It was so hard, yeah. but it was has been the most rewarding. Come on, yes, that I've ever said to. Mm. And I, it's a continuation. Yeah, like there's there's tough seasons, but yet I can still point to God and be like, "You are faithful. You have provided. Come on, you are my sustainer." And it, it was hard in that moment, but then again, it was the best and most rewarding yes that I have ever said yes to. I've been reading Proverbs lately, and. W- this is going to be a paraphrase. I don't know, remember it word for word, but it's uh, better. Better is it to be righteous with a little than to be uh, wicked with plenty. And I think that's so forgotten sometimes is like, you'd be better off being poor, you know, God forbid two pairs of shoes with a roof over your head than to be making a hundred K with a rotten, wicked heart. Dude, mm. it is. I was asked a few weeks ago, someone said, if something hasn't broken my heart more, it is seeing pastors that have been in these scandals or have lost, I think almost like lost purity. Um, Sometimes I think one of the, yeah, I, when you get your heart starts to become corrupted by different things, you start to lose that pure mind. And um, someone asked me the question. Uh, shout out Eric from Generations Church, Eric. In Colorado, uh, Greeny, I think. I just want to say, yeah, Greeny. yeah, so Greenland maybe. <laughs> um, Greenly, Greenly, yeah, Greenly. Thank you, Eden, for <laughs> what Greeley. Greeley, Greeley. Yeah. There Eric we go. Greeley. Shout out Eric from, but he, in genuine care, he was like, hey man, this is something you might. And he was just like, how do you plan on being pure? Um, and I looked at him and I thought of in Psalms 34, which is my favorite Psalms. And it says, the Lord hears the cries of the righteous. And then in another part, it says, the Lord turns his face from the wicked. And so often, I think sometimes it's the worries that come into play. Like, oh, am I going to do this? Am I going to do that? We worry about what we're going to lose on this earth. But does it not break your heart when we become wicked people that the Lord turns his face from us? Not you're forsaken. He's never going to look at you. He's never going to. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying scripture shares us if we do wicked things. Because we always say, oh, God's watching you. He turns his face. He will literally like stop. <laughs> and um, that that has shaken me I think the last few weeks. It goes hand in hand. Like in the Psalms, I know it says a lot, like the Lord establishes the path of the righteous. But 
but if you're wicked, like he doesn't know the ways of the wicked. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like knowing in the sense of like, you know, like establishing that path. Like it's all on you, man. Yeah. And I know from my own experience, when I'm left to my own devices, bad things happen mm-hmm. every single time. Mm-hmm. Dude. Yeah. That is painful. Like, I think the issue with pastors falling with like moral failures like that, I know so many people like step away from the church when they see a moral failure in a pastor. I think part of it has to do with the way pastors think of themselves. First of all, like I'm the head pastor. Like I'm so righteous. I could never fall. You know what I mean? I spend so much time. I read my Bible. I work. I'm in the Bible 25 hours a week with my sermon prep. 25 hours a week. And it's like, oh man, pride comes before the fall. First of all, I read first and foremost, <laughs> like, yeah. And and secondly, don't let the vision of someone who still struggles with sin and like a sinful human being, like, give you the image of who God is. Like, don't. In in a perfect world, pastors should be. We are. I mean, we are ambassadors for Christ. Yes, we are. But we are not Christ. Mm-hmm. We are ambassadors yeah. and we are going to make mistakes. And that includes your pastor, even though you think he's perfect, he is not. And part of the issue is or that she. we, or she, we don't give pastors room to be broken people. Mm-hmm. We They're expected to be perfect at all times. And yes, they should strive to be, but they don't have room to discuss their temptations, what they're struggling with, these thoughts they've had, because if they tell someone about it, then it's going to get out and people are going to leave their church and they're going to leave their job. And instead providing a space where they can speak to other pastors who certainly have some of the same struggles, but pretend they don't because they're worried about the same things. Mm-hmm. And that's why like confession is so important not just for congregation members but for pastors themselves that is why confession is so important so you don't let these thoughts that are sitting in your heart and sitting in your mind fester and grow and then it comes out and it turns into cheating on your spouse with your secretary or some girl in your small group you have inappropriate conversations with them or you know name whatever moral failure you want to name that's what happens when you let these temptations, these thoughts fester in your head. Mm-hmm. Or if you're an angry person at home, you're angry with your wife, you're angry with your children. That's what happens when you can't confess your struggles to someone else because you're so concerned with how the church is going to see you. Either that or you're just a prideful, hateful person who needs to repent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. like Sorry, soapbox. No, you're good. No, you're good. I like how you highlighted the importance of not only confession, and that, but community as well as accountability for pastors. Because I think a lot of the times too, pastors can try to, like, again, they can be alone in that season, but there's other pastors in their area. There's other people they can reach oh, out yeah. to. They have a community. I mean, like, think of like, uh, like even our cohort within Kern, which is like a program where we are all pursuing ministry opportunities, mm-hmm. but I can always come back to you guys. Yeah. Yep. I can, oh, I always feel like it's an open door with you guys. Mm-hmm. And so finding that community to where you can practice these things of accountability and confession within that and not allowing yourself to be elevated above others. Yeah. Um, I thought that, I thought you highlighted some good points there. And praise God for technology because they couldn't do this stuff 500 years ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you're in this little tiny parish in the middle of England, you know, you might be the only pastor 
for like a three hour cart ride or whatever, you know? Yeah. Like now you can, you can shoot somebody a text in California and get answer in three seconds. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? What kind of, you know, I I believe the face-to-face interaction is very important, but if you can't find someone in your area who might be as spiritually mature as you are and who are willing to enter into that kind of accountability relationship, man, I guarantee you, you can find a community somewhere, you know, plug in. I mean, the the internet is a beautiful thing. So Chris, um, one last question for you. And, and this has been, this has been a fun one. This has been a really fun one. I hate to land it, but, um, (laughs) but for you, man, um, what has been, what is one piece of advice that you would give? If you go back in time, go to Chris when he was in high school or when you were first wrestling with these things. And a lot of, a lot of our listeners and the audience were directing this towards, this is kind of the stage they're in. What would be your one piece of advice to them that um, you would share? Yeah. Like call the ministry wise? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would say seek God in your calling. And that's, mm-hmm. and what I mean by that, there's levels to it. I think prayer and I think his word. Come on. And I think the community. Mm-hmm. I think God speaks through other people as you guys are wrestling with that together. Um, your pastors can help walk you through that. Um, the word, God speaks through his word. It's a living word. And God's going to reveal more of himself to you through that. And as well as your prayer life, continue yeah. that prayer life. Um, and just continue to chase after God, like thirst after God. Um, and he will provide everything you need in that. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think you can't really go wrong there. Um, if you want a book, I don't know if you guys have given given this book out yet, but a call of a lifetime. If you no. just want to read, read through a book that's about calling. It's on my bookshelf. I believe it's Keith Drury. Keith Drury? Yeah. I want to say it is. Okay. For anybody listening, it's going to be in the bio. <laughs> call of a lifetime link. Yeah. So that's, that's an, another book that you can walk through awesome. as a resource. Come um, on. Mm. Um, but yeah, those just continue to seek after God in those ways. And I think he'll continue to reveal himself to you. Fire. Amen. So Chris, something we like to do is we just like to affirm you uh, before we kind of close out here. Um, and first of all, I want to say like I get a good sense of of you have a a a, a shepherd's heart. You have, you have a gentle spirit, and I could re I really easily could see you being someone's head pastor one day and and just shepherding a, a community well and showing them what it means to be a man of God to be a godly husband, to be a godly father, um, not to push you into that too quickly. I understand that situation myself. Um, but just to be someone who, you know, you have vision. I think you have a goal. You have a dream in mind that you want to do for the kingdom of God. And I think God's going to come alongside you and he will use that shepherd's heart that he put inside you, you come know, on. at your birth to guide a community into something that resembles the kingdom of God. Mm. So good. Yeah, Chris. Um, I, yeah, you've been my, fr- my friend ever since we kind of came in as a cohort and um, a great, just anybody that doesn't know, great basketball player on the court, lethal, lethal shooter. Um, uh, deadly. Deadly. <laughs> and it's, but, um, man, I feel I feel blessed every time we get to have a conversation because you are a person that
dad, I feel like, is never trying to prove anything, but is only just trying to show people who Christ is. Um, when you speak, anytime you answer a question or it doesn't seem like you just said so quickly or you said reactionary just because someone else said something, but it's something that you're really sitting with and wrestling with and your vulnerability with that. Um, and even seeing you as how you've prepped for sermons or how, how you've preached and just how much you care. And like, you're so honest and just humble with like, have you, do you have any thoughts about this or anything? And, um, you are a person that I think the word I got is a connector. You're just going to be someone that connects people together and brings people together in such a beautiful way. Just like Griffin was talking about with like the shepherding. I think you're connect, going to connect people. And one thing with that is that people are just going to feel like they're welcomed. Like you actually want to know about their life and you actually care for them more than just because you're the pastor, but because you're like, man, like, why wouldn't I? Like these, these are God's people. So they're, they're, they're my family. Um, and I just love that about you, man. And I'm excited to see all that you're going to do in ministry, dude. It's going to be so hype. And, um, I, I already see just great quality. I know it's only been almost like six months, but you really are a, a good husband. And I think that you love your wife well, um, and just all the times and, you know, you're like, you care for her in our little conversations that we have. And dude, I just, yeah, I love it, man. And I love you. Thanks, bro. I appreciate you guys. In basketball terms, you'd be a glue guy. Glue guy. You heard that one. He's <laughs> a glue guy. The glue guy. Like a Draymond Green. Yeah, dude, you're hey, making me sound like Steph Curry. You're not that good. <laughs> hey, look out uh, for the intramurals this year. Preachers and sneakers going to go for the chip, Amen. you know? <laughs> well, um, well, Chris, as we end here, um, our last question for you is genuinely, how can we pray for you? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good question. Um, I haven't actually really told anyone this yet, um, but I actually got a f- official um, like response about the residency in South Carolina. Come on. Oh, so, yeah. yeah, so that's yeah. been... Um, so yeah, just prayers that, you know, we do feel called to the area, but making sure that now is the time. Come on. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, just prayer that that goes well. Um, as my wife seeks for a job as well down there, the transition's good. Mm. Um, and then we just continue to be faithful in what God has opened, the door, the many doors that he's opened for this to happen. Yeah. Continue to be faithful to what we sense he's calling us to. Amen. So, Amen. Dan, can you pray for that? Because I need that prayer too. Like I'm in like the same boat right now. I need to get that prayer too. Goodness. Well, all right, boys. Um, Lord, and what a time. What, what a time to just talk and just to hear a calling from our brother, Chris, and just all the conversations and all the different things that we talked about, Lord. One thing that has remained is that God without you we would be lost. Without you, we'd just be doing jobs to survive. But when we're doing our callings for your life, we, we are living the fullness of life. God, I couldn't imagine just going through the motions. And that's how it would feel if we did not live out these callings that you have on our lives. It'd be like we were just going through the motion, trying to live for a paycheck, trying to live for comfortability. But God, it's 
within you that we truly find life. It's in you that the worry goes away. It's in you that our purposes are made clear. It is in you that the light shines. And where darkness is not present, it is in you, God, where we know and we can taste and see that you are good. And I just pray this over uh, Chris, but even all of us um, and everybody that's listening. Um, but therefore, in Ephesians 4, Paul says, Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling with which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, being diligent to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Lord, as Chris was saying, as it's almost like there is a time for this, Lord, that he has got this, um, this affirmation that this is a residency that he can do. And Lord, give him and Katie that wisdom and discernment to go into that. But Lord, as he begins to go into it and the doubts might come up, Lord, that I'm only 22 or I'm only just a kid coming out of college. How could I plant a church or um, how am I going to do this? How am I going to work this out? What, what do I need to do, God? And all these worries just come out of this. And it's just like, may we do, may we do all these things with all humility and gentleness, with patience, Lord, and bearing with one another in love. And God, help us to do that. Help us to love each other well through the struggles, through the worries, through the doubts. Because one of the things you provided, Lord, is community. And I pray that the community of uh, believers surrounds Katie and Chris in this time and begin to encourage them, love them, and share with them in all of the things. And even as your word says that as we share in suffering, we also, as those who have been comforted from Christ, can share in our comfort with those people out of their suffering. Amen. God, highs and lows, no matter what, you're there either way it goes. And God, let us know that, that we too are supposed to emulate that together, to be with each other in the highs and lows. And I pray that ultimately over Chris and Katie, that as they go into this next part of their journey, as they take each step of life, they know, be sure of this, that I will be with you to the end of the age. And may they be sure of this, that they are part of a family that will also be with them on this earth and then share in praise and glory to God as we go into eternity. Lord, we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Man, that was poetry in that prayer. You were spitting bars. Hallelujah. 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 <laughs> Jesus is King is the best Kanye album of the last two. But anyway, that's just. <laughs> nice. well, all right. To the moon. Griffin, you know what to Don't say. Leave so soon. We just want to thank the band Caledonia for the intro and uh, closing music that you've heard today. You can find them on Instagram at official Caledonia and you can find their band camp in the link in the show notes down below. Yeah. All right. We will see you all next week. See ya. Peace. For our Thanksgiving episode. Hallelujah. All right. See y'all. Peace. Bye. I can see.
Like snow. 